Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This morning, we're going to begin a study. It's going to be a two-week study. We're going to study the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's that time of the year when we think of Jesus leaving the glories of heaven, coming to the earth to be born into our world. Jesus is the baby that was born in Bethlehem. He was born to die. He was born to seek and save those who were lost. He was born to give his life as a ransom for all mankind. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So when we think about this time of the year, it's a great time as we think about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But this week and next week, we're going to look for two two weeks, two-part study at a subject that might seem a little bit strange at Christmas time, and the subject's fear. Fear connected with the birth of Jesus Christ. Think about fear in our lives. We don't like to be afraid, but when we look at God's Word, sometimes when angels appear to people, there's fear. And we're going to look at four times, uh, two this week and two next week, where angels come to people. And these events are centered around the birth of Jesus Christ. And so as we study God's Word, we don't need to be afraid, and we're going to see that as we go through it. Well, I remember the first time I ever ran in a real race. I, had, I, had, I always run short races, but I was 12 years old, and it was the Summer City Track and Field Championships in Meridian, Mississippi. And so I can remember getting in the blocks, and my heart was like pounding, and I was scared to death, you know, and you had that adrenaline going. And adrenaline is given to us by God. When you think about adrenaline and fear and those kind of things, they kind of go together. Sometimes adrenaline helps you with that fight-or-flight aspect. Sometimes it's hurtful. Archibald Hart did a whole study and wrote a book on adrenaline and stress. And he said that we live, as, as Americans, we live constantly with our adrenaline going, which ultimately results in a lot of people having different heart diseases and things like that. We've all experienced fear. We've all experienced adrenaline. But we want to think about fear this morning probably Probably none of us in this room have had fear because of an angel appearing to us. This morning, connected with the birth of Jesus Christ, we're going to find that angels gave messages to people. And in every situation, every time the angel comes, there's fear. Angels are very powerful beings. We know that. We can see from God's Word. We just did a study on Wednesday nights at our, at our SBI, at our Bible Institute. We did one called Angels and Demons, and we went 13 lessons, 13 weeks talking about angels, how powerful they are. We found that, that one angel, one good angel, killed 185,000 Assyrian troops at one time. That's that's in, in the scripture, of course. And so if an angel appeared here today, we'd be afraid. We would be. And so as we look at this two-part study, we want to look at four places connected in the Bible, connected with the birth of Jesus Christ, where angels appear and people are afraid. But what we actually see is this, that we see a message from the angels not to be afraid. And so we're going to focus on those four truths. And we understand, when you understand God's love and God's uh, plan and God's provisions, we don't have to be afraid. So this morning, we'll think about fear knots. You realize that there are 365 fear knots in the scripture connected. This morning, we're just going to look at the ones connected with the birth of Jesus Christ this morning and the next time. So the first one deals with the scripture reading that we had earlier the, about the shepherd's candle and all that. We're going to see the angels come to the shepherds. That's the first thing we're going to see. And I call this the fear not of salvation, okay? 
Because when you think about it, there is a fear among people. When you start talking about people, there's a fear of death. There is a fear that what happens when you die? There's a fear that when you die, are you, are you going to heaven? Would you, would you go to hell? Would you go to heaven? We know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That How in the world can we have an eternal relationship with God? There's this fear, a fear of separation, a fear of going to hell. What happens when a person dies? Where do they go? Uh, we know that, that God has conquered death, so every human being is going to live and live on. Where will they be? Well, we don't have to be afraid. We realize that we don't have to be afraid because God has provided a Savior. God has provided a Savior. And we're going to see this in a passage this morning. If you're in your Bible, Luke chapter 2, we're going to see it's very, very familiar. I told you all this. I did not grow up going to church at all. I'm in, in the, really, the only way I actually knew the Christmas story was that back in my day, we did it at school. We actually had it. The teacher would read from Luke chapter 2. And, and so this passage to me is probably the first passage that I can ever say I remember what the Bible said about something. So we're going to look at this passage uh, from Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 8. And we're going to see where the angels come, where the angel begins, comes first, and then a bunch of angels come, and they come to the shepherds. So I want you to look at Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 8. It says, in the same region... Same region, basically, uh, if, 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 just to study the passage, it's talking about the region of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. You know that Jerusalem was a big city. Bethlehem was a little bitty city. Bethlehem means Bethlehem. That's Hebrew for house of bread. This is where David grew up, and this was where the King David was from. And so in Bethlehem and Jerusalem is only about six to eight miles apart. Out in that same region, probably south of Jerusalem, heading toward Bethlehem, were a bunch of shepherds, and they had flocks out there. In fact, Lotus, the verse says, in that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, what are, what are the shepherds out there for? I've had people say, well, why are the shepherds out there? It's, it's, if, if Jesus was born in December in this time of the year, wouldn't it be too cold for them to be out there? No, I've been, I've been to Israel. I've been to Israel on Christmas Eve, and I had on a sweater. That's all I had on. So uh, they kept the shepherds usually stayed out year-round with their flocks. What are these flocks for? Do you think maybe they're just their sheep? No. What they are is they're raising the sheep to be taken six miles north to the temple to be used as a sacrificial animals in, in the t- temple of sacrifices. So that's what they're out there with. And it says in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. When you think about shepherds, they were not high class. They were not like wealthy people. They were working class people. In fact, some people, because they stayed out a lot, because they were with the sheep a lot, some people looked down on shepherds. But we're going to notice, who does God give this message to? He gives it to the shepherds. Notice it says, in that same region, there were some shepherds. And they were staying out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terribly frightened. An angel appears. Can you imagine you're out there at night, and you got your sheep, and you're just watching everything, and you're with other guys, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. Now, this angel, they're powerful beings. I said earlier, if an angel appeared in this room right now, we would all probably get down, because they're such powerful beings. It says, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and it just appears, and they're very powerful beings, and, and the glory of the Lord shone round about him. I mean, that power. 
And, and it says they were all afraid. Now, these are men. These are, these are tough men. These aren't, these aren't sissy men. These are tough men. And the angel appears, and they're afraid. And we talked about in our study on Wednesday nights that there are good angels and bad angels. And good angels serve God and man. These are good angels, and they're serving God. And so have you ever stopped to think of what angels think about? The Bible informs us that angels desire to know the things of man. Angels desire to know what God does with mankind. I want you to see this verse. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things, the things about the gospel and the Holy Spirit and the message, things into which angels long to look. Angels would like to know. Angels want to know the things for mankind. A guy by the name of J.B. Phillips, he wrote a lot of different things. He wrote him in a paraphrase of the Bible, but he wrote a story about two angels. And he talked about how one angel told another angel about Jesus coming to the earth. He starts it off this way. He says, the senior angel was telling a younger angel. Now, we already know from our study on Wednesday nights, all angels were all created at the same time. There's not an older angel and a younger angel. They don't reproduce. But in his story, there's this older angel to a younger angel. And he says, see that world down there? And the angel looks down at this little bitty planet. And he says, yeah, I see it. He says, I want you to know something special is going to happen there. And the angel said, what, what's going to happen? He said, well, the Father is sending the Son to become one of those people. And the younger angel said, what do you mean? You mean our great and glorious prince is going to become a person? He's going to stoop down to be one of those creatures on that planet? And the senior angels looked at him and said, yeah, he's going down there to visit them, to lift them up. He's going down there to be their Savior. And the younger angel looked at him and said, this is beyond comprehension. It is a great truth that God would save us. Realize, angels know the story. They know the story of the incarnation. They know the birth of the Savior, and they know why he came. They came to, Jesus Christ came to save the world. He came to die on the cross to pay for sin, and whoever would believe in him would never perish or have eternal life. So when this angel comes to give the message to the shepherds, he knows, this, he knows the message. He's given the message to the angels. And, and notice how he starts, because in verse 9 it says, The angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were afraid. But the angel, look at verse 10. What did the angel say? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. i got a good message. I don't have a bad message. I have a good message. The angel said to him, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Listen, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And you may say, well, why is it so great? Look what he says. The angel said to him, don't be afraid, but behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. He says, first of all, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. The good news message is the message of the Savior. The good news message is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. The good news message is that God loves us and has provided a way that we can have eternal life. And so he says, I bring you good news. The good news message is the message of the Savior. Realize that, that all of us who live now, when, when we talk about Christmas and people say, what's Christmas all about? If you ask a person, go up and say, what, what does Christmas mean to you? Or why do you think Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem? Have you thought about asking people that at this time of the year? Because some of them will go, I, I have no idea. What do you mean? 
Oh, he, he, he was, he's a baby. Yeah, he's, is he a baby now? No. Why was Jesus born? What does Christmas really mean? So that kind of thing. And so the angel said, don't be afraid. By, I give you good news of great joy, which is all people. I want you to understand this good news message brings great joy. It brings joy when we realize that God has provided a Savior. It brings joy when we realize that it's not our goodness that saves us. You know, if you talk to people in our community, and if you talk to people in this world, and you ask them, how can a person have a relationship with God? Many people say, try to live a good life. Try to do the best you can. Try to be a good person. Try to keep the Ten Commandments. Maybe join a church, get baptized, do something. It's good news to realize it's not you. You're not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. God has sent a Savior into the world. So it's good news which brings great joy, and it's to all people. All people. He came into the world for the world. He came into the world to save mankind. The one born in Bethlehem is for the world. Hebrews chapter 2 says he came to taste death for every person. Jesus Christ came for every person. You know, there's an old saying that says, if you were the only person that ever existed, Jesus Christ would come, would have come and died just for you. Through says he died for each one of us. What a message. Good news that brings great joy to all people. Well, what's the message? Now, can you picture yourself there that night and this, you're there and this angel appears and he's so powerful that you're, everybody's afraid and he says, you don't have to be afraid. The angel says, don't be afraid for I have good news, great joy for all people. What is the message? Look at the next verse. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's the message? There's born a Savior. The Savior's come. The truth is that God has provided a Savior to the world. We don't have to be afraid. God has provided a Savior. The perfect God has provided a way. We talk about the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his Son, Jesus Christ. The Son is born. The Son is given. Here he comes, Jesus Christ. And so they says, you don't have to be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For today in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For all of us, and people, there are people we know that every day they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to die. They're afraid they're going to die and they don't know what's going to happen to them. They don't know if they've done good enough. They don't know how they can get to God. And, and to realize the truth is, according to Isaiah 64, 6, that all the righteousness that we have is filthy rags. There's not one thing we could ever do to earn our way or please God in that way. God is pleased through His Son, Jesus Christ. In ourselves, we can never measure up, but God has provided a way. We do not have to be afraid. Because God has provided a Savior. And I want you to think about this. God has provided a Savior. Matthew one twenty one. God tells, uh, angel tells Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. The word Jesus, mean, the name Jesus means Savior. In Galatians 4, 5, 4, 4 and 5, in the fullness of time, God brought forth a son born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us, that he might pay for our sins. Listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, but now God's grace has been revealed. How? By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God's grace is revealed because Jesus came. Who? What did he do? He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news message of his death and resurrection. Titus chapter 2 says, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. But look at this last verse. This is one of my favorites. And we have beheld and bear witness 
that the Father had sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's who he is. We got a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And the angel said, you don't have to be afraid, for I bring you good news, a great joy to all people. Today, born in the city of David, is a Savior, Christ the Lord. We don't have to be afraid. God has provided a way. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross to pay for sin, rose again to conquer death, and whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Savior of the world. And so when we think about Christmas, when we think about the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus is the birth of the Savior, the Savior of mankind. I hope that every one of you, I know most everybody in this room, but I hope every one of you in this room know for sure that you have eternal life and that you are saved and saved forever because you have trusted Jesus Christ who is the Savior. You have believed that he will give to you eternal life. The message of salvation is simple. God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus died and rose again, that whosoever, any person would believe in him, would trust in him, would never perish, but have everlasting life. I hope every one of you, if you've got a question, if you say, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven, be sure and come see me. I can tell you about the Savior and make sure you know. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. God is offering a gift. At this time of year, may we proclaim the good news that brings great joy, not fear, to all people. So when we go out these doors, if all of us in this room, we know the message, we know that Jesus is the Savior, we know that he died and rose again, we know that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life, when we go out these doors at Christmas time, at this time of the year, we've got the greatest message to tell them. We can tell them why the baby was born in Bethlehem. That's what it's all about. That's what we would tell them. A Savior has come into this world. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see, a second fear. And I call this one, fear not in circumstances. And in our lives, there are all kinds of problems and events and circumstances and things that happen. And we don't always know what to do. And we, we sometimes are afraid. But I want you to see as we look at this passage, we don't have to fear because God can do the impossible. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, just my Bible, if you've got a Bible like mine, you just turn one page and go back a little bit. Look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 26, and this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. This is where an angel comes to Mary and tells Mary she's going to have a baby, and that baby's going to be the Messiah and the Savior. I want you to see that we don't have to be afraid because God can do the impossible. Look at verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, the sixth month of a woman by the name of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was told, Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias were told, even though they were really old, you're going to have a baby. The baby's going to be named John. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And so as verse 26 starts, now in the sixth month, the six months of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, it says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now we already know 
that the angel Gabriel is, is an amazing angel. He's basically the messenger angel. When we did our study on Wednesday nights on angels and demons, we saw that Michael's called the archangel, but Gabriel's called the messenger angel. And he goes and he gives different messages at different times. He is sent to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. And look, verse 27, to a virgin. Don't forget that. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the, uh, David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, there's this couple that we've talked about, Mary and Joseph. They're going to be married. They're engaged to be married. They're living in Nazareth, and we know what happened. Before they could actually get married and everything, uh, a decree came, and they had to go all the way down to Bethlehem, and that's where the baby was born in Bethlehem. But they're in Nazareth, and she's there, and everything's fine. And if you came to her and said, Mary, how you doing? She says, I'm doing great. I'm engaged to be married. Joseph, he's great. He's a great guy. Uh, We're going to have the greatest life we've ever had. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to her. Now, what happens when angels come? People get what? Get afraid. So here she is. And let me tell you, you know how old she may be? She could be as young as 14. She could be as old as 18. She might be 19. But she's probably not any older than that. She may be 15 years old. So picture yourself as a 15-year-old and an angel appearing to you. And you're engaged to be married. Now, under this deal in, in the Jewish culture, once you're engaged to be married, to break the engagement's a divorce. You, you couldn't live together, you couldn't come together, but you, you were betrothed and you were together. So if you said to her, now you're going to get married, oh yeah, oh yeah, everything's great. Everything's really great. But it's not going to be so great in just a second, okay? Because he's going to give her a message that's going to mess a lot of things up as far as the world would be concerned. And so, verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. So this angel comes in and says, hello, Mary, greet you, the Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed about this statement, and she kept pondering, what kind of salutation was this? Who is this? And the angel said to her, notice, do not be afraid. Now, this is called the fear of circumstances because she's fixing to be in some kind of circumstance that she never counted on. And here's what he's going to say. You have found favor with God. Wow. All of us, wouldn't you say that you would like to find favor with God? Wouldn't you like that somebody say, hey, you just got favor with God? Well, guess what? You did. Jesus Christ came and died for you and paid for your sins, and God's favor and grace is that he'll give you life, life forever as a gift. That's pretty favorable, I think. What do you think? That's pretty good. What do you have to do to get it? Nothing. So we found favor with God as well. He says, you found favor with God. Now, he's going to tell her she's going to have a baby. Right now, she's going to have a baby. Listen, you will behold, and behold, you're going to conceive in your womb. You will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Jesus means Savior. So you're going to bear a son, and his name will be Jesus. And let me give you a little information about this son, the angel says. He will be great. Okay. Everybody thinks their children are great. He will be called the son of the most high. He's going to be called the son of God. Well, that's not everybody. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to be the king of Israel. He will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There will be no end. He will have an eternal kingdom. So think about this poor girl, betrothed to be married with no social status, not famous. And now an angel says, you're going to have a baby, which is the son of God, who is the king of the Jews and the king of the world. And he will have an eternal kingdom, and you're going to have that baby. What would you think? Philip Bliss, excuse me, Philip Yancey wrote this. He says, you know, it's probably, 
it's extremely improbable that Jesus would have been born today because Mary, in such poor circumstances, father really not known who that was, most people would say, well, that need to have an abortion there, you know. Or if she went and told people that an angel came to her and that she's going to have the Son of God, people would say, well, you need some psychiatric help. Realize the angel told Mary she would have a son. He would be the Messiah, and he would be the Savior. The poor girl would be the mother of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Savior. Well, look what she says. Because she says just what we would say. How, how, how could this be? Verse 34, and the angel said, uh, and Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And look at it this way. How can a poor woman barely make it and have a son who will be the king of Israel and the Messiah? And on top of that, she's a virgin? How is this possible? And she says, how can this happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. It's not possible. This is an impossible situation. How could God give a virgin a son who is the king of Israel? And on top of that, not only is he the king of Israel, he's, he's, he's the son of God. And on top of that, he's the savior of the world. angel says, you don't have to be afraid. Verse 35, the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, this holy child shall be called the Son of God. God will bring this baby into your womb. You are a virgin. God will bring this baby into your womb. And look at verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. You don't have to be afraid. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. And then verse 37, nothing shall be impossible with God. We don't have to be afraid in any situation. We don't have to be afraid as we walk out these doors. We don't have to be afraid in a fallen world. We don't have to be afraid at our jobs. We don't have to be afraid anywhere because God's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And Romans 4, 21 says, whatever God promises is able to do. We don't have to be afraid in the circumstances of life. Why? Because he'll never leave us or forsake us. That's Hebrews 13. He gives us the power. Philippians 4, 13, you can do all things through the one who strengthens you. He'll supply every need that you have. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. In Matthew 19, we'll get to it someday, he says, nothing is impossible with God. What does he do for us? He gives us eternal life, a home in heaven, protection, provision, and power. And so this morning, we've looked at two fear nots. We don't have to be afraid concerning salvation because God's provided a Savior. We don't have to be afraid concerning the circumstances of life because God can do the impossible. Just ask Mary as the impossible. So let me give you the application as we end. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God has provided a Savior. Remember at Christmas time, we're celebrating the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the question this morning I asked earlier is, if you were to die, and you will someday if Jesus doesn't come back, if you were to die, do you have eternal life? Would you be with Jesus Christ forever? And if the answer is, I don't know, or I hope so, you can, you can know right where you're sitting. Jesus died for you, paid for sins, and rose again, and offers to you the gift of eternal life. And if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, 
He gives you eternal life simply as a gift. You can do that right where you're sitting. If you have any questions, please come see me. We don't have to be afraid because we, God has provided a Savior and we can have eternal life. The second thing is we don't have to be afraid because God does the impossibles in the situations of life, in the circumstances of life. We don't have to be afraid. Nothing is by chance. God is working in all the events. Nothing is impossible with God. So at Christmas... Let's don't be afraid. Let's tell people. Let's go out into this community and let's tell people what the real reason of Christmas is. Christmas is the birth of the Savior and they don't have to be afraid because God has provided a way that man can be, can be saved. And then in the circumstances of life, we don't have to ever be afraid because God works all things. God can actually do the impossible.